back to another exciting episode of Extra Feature. And we have a guest decide to come back a second time. Kind of scary. Last Dash Season 2, I know is available on YouTube, but it's we're going to get into it. Robert Jerome Pagan is here. I think I got it right again today. And he just told us, everybody, we're going to pimp something out a little weird. He wrote a novel, which I knew nothing about. So get into your novel, and then we'll get into your short. So my novel's called uh, The Bible Chronicles, Birth of the Savior. It is uh, a nativity story from the perspective of Joseph's younger cousin, Jeremiah, who is watching everything take place inside of Nazareth and Bethlehem during the Roman time. And that's available, I presume, on Amazon or anywhere else? On Amazon, yeah. You can find it on Amazon. Our Jerome P is my handles for everything, so that's easy to Listen, guys, he's a great writer, so I'm sure it's an excellent book. Even though I haven't read it, but I have full (laughs) faith in the novel. Hey, let's get into this. Okay, everybody, I want you to know, he let us know last time. So if you haven't listened to Interview 1, go find it. Just search his name. It'll pop up. That Season 2, which we're talking about, is really Season 1. Now, it's kind of weird for me because once watching season one, I realized you had no money in season two. Like, I see a total different approach to filmmaking, a different approach to storytelling. So what was your – this is your first project. So what were you going with season one? I mean, it's very tight. You're really on one set the whole time. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) – I mean, I really was, it was, I didn't know what I was doing. It was originally okay. a play, you know, uh-huh. play. and that's, and it came from a play last and, and season two really is what the play was. Right. And so when I, when we got done, the funny thing about season two is like you said, I, season two was actually filmed before season one. Season one is a little bit different. Season two uh, was one of those seasons where I Filmed it, and I was like, you know what? People won't get addicted to the show if they watch this first. <laughs> so they have to watch. I think you're right. And so I, I really give you full credit it. with that. And what I found is that because I flopped it, people were way more interested in watching season two. Um, but they also were a little bit more. Uh, they 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 were they they were often able to look past some of the incorrections because you are very correct. Season two is a little bit more rough than actually season one. So it's so weird. When you look at season one, it looks so polished. You're like, Done. yes, well, season one, you know, was filmed three months after season two. Really? So, yeah. So everything, season one, two, three, and four, uh, season three Hold is on. now on the festival circuit. Season I was four about to four. ask about that. We'll get there. Yeah. But uh, they were all filmed in six months. So I learned oh. how to do filmmaking in, in really rushed uh, capacity. But I really, the story of season two needs to be told for people to project into season three and season four. And I thought the best way to be able to do that was get people to love Damien first, love the characters, and then have that question because season one ends on the cliffer of why what made Ben kill himself? Why did Dave, like what, what really happened in this relationship and why is he having this overdose? You know, and season two was all in his head in purgatory. So it answers those questions and it allows us to move on into something darker in three and four. 
Okay. So I want to go back. How long was the stage play? Did people see the stage play? You said it was written as a play. Did people go see it? Yes. So it was originally a 30-minute short play written in 2006. Oh, wow. Performed um, at a community college. I wrote it, you know, on a bunch of cocaine and and a bunch of, you know – pot and, and I was young in my early 18, 19 and I was writing, writing, writing and we put on this play that everyone was like, no one can do this on stage and I was like, well I think I, I saw Search and Destroy as a, as a play too, which is a great film um, but like so we wrote that and really I just put it away for years and until it kind of COVID just cleaned it out but yeah, it really was a play, it was seen multiple times before it was produced by other companies besides myself after that that's awesome Um, it was actually with a first play that i did that was really kind of well received in that avant-garde way and uh yeah so season two really does keep to it but the funny thing about if you ask people can watch the entire play on youtube as well oh and it's actually performed by the characters inside the movie playing the characters that they're playing inside the movie. So why we were filming the TV show, I actually, we actually put on the actual play. So they were on, they were playing the play characters in the characters, playing the characters, but they were also playing those characters. So we did a live in studio recording of the entire play where Damien comes out and introduces it as his play. <laughs> and it oh, is, wow. it was so unique. Um, and that's actually on YouTube. So, uh, you actually see the guy who plays Jeremy play Damien as Don inside the play. Fascinating. Okay, I want to go back. So season three is shot and four is shot from what I'm understanding what you oh, told Oh, yeah. Season three, season four is completely principal shots done. We're done. Uh, I'm We're wrapping up. I'm in post of everything. Season four will be the last season. Um, okay. Season three is on festival circuit uh, and premiered in September. And it, it's been winning awards crazily. So let's back this up. When you do these shorts, there's about, uh, I can't remember. I think this one was only four or five episodes. The other one was eight, I think. Yes. So when it goes to festival circuit, do they get the whole thing or do they only get one or two episodes? So season one went to the festival circuit as two one-hour films. Okay. So I broke it up in two films. Um, and those are called chapters. So within the, the long film version, we have four chapters. But within a more palatable, I, I feel like it's just way more palatable to be chopped up. Um, and when I chopped it up, it came out to four seasons so that the arcs really were able to be told well. Um, and it's really four seasons and a feature because the play is its own film. It is. It is. So when you were making this, I mean, I noticed music right off the top. I wrote music down. So. Was that your own personal experience for music, or is this something you picked up, or is this the usual music guy you use? So, music – well, I do all the scoring. Oh, see, I could so, remember. I should have listened to my own interview. I wouldn't remember so, this. Well, no, the funny thing is in season one, which was a little bit more polished, uh, I, I didn't edit and I didn't do the sound. Season two – uh, was the first oh, okay. time that I had ever edited something, and was the first time I did sound, and I and, and so it was totally, totally like a new experience. Um, but I worked with Nick Roy, who wrote some of the music for the the show itself, and he's he's an accomplished musician himself. Um, and I wrote uh, and this 
beautiful Latina musician who is from Merced, California, um, named Kat. She uh, she wrote some Virgin Margaritas, which is the song that they play at the party. Um, that you know. So a lot of it was either written or indie artists that I knew around town, and now she's a, she's cool. a Grammy rep for San Francisco or the Bay Oh Area. wow! Look at that. Yeah, you're on the ground floor. Now going into this, I wrote down very experimental shooting, and I definitely felt that you were. I don't want to use the word lost, but I don't think you had any idea what you were doing in this season. Like some of the shot no. selections, I'm like, what are you doing here? That is not correct. But it works because I know you. So it kind of works for me in the sense of like, I hate to use the term queer experience, but I really think you were trying to give that to me. So I apologize if I'm off limits here. Just correct me if I'm wrong being straight using that term. But I definitely felt that you had him all the time in those trunks. And I'm like, that's what he's got to be going for. Being a straight male and being honest here, I'm like, I am uncomfortable, which I should be, I think. And yes, I'm hoping yeah. that's what you were going for the whole time. Cause I'm like, okay, he's talking a lot. He's getting to his eulogy. I got some Shakespeare action going. Mm-hmm. I know where he's coming from, but man, he's got some eye candy happening here. He must be happy. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I know where you're going with this. I'm like, I really wish the funny thing was I had watched this first and gone back. And then I think I would have gone in a little bit more at the beginning. Yeah. Because yeah. the other movie sort of dropped me into a blowjob scene in the park. I'm like, oh, my God. And this one, I'm like, I get it. I'm glad I interviewed you before, and then I totally know where you're coming from in this film, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And, yeah, I so lost very much. But also that was one of my techniques and what I wanted the vision to feel like because okay. the character itself is lost. The main yes. character oh, himself God, is in 100%. purgatory. And so, and whereas in season one, yes, there's a blowjob. Yes, there's a three-way in a tent. Yeah, you know, yes, there's some, there's some, you know, there's some stuff. But it wasn't as, um, season two is definitely more on that queer film where it's like, yes. oh, crotch shot for no reason. And, yeah, and it, You're exactly and, where I'm going. And that's where my commentary, and I wanted my commentary to be that because I wanted the yeah. average person to get into the show because anyone who likes euphoria loves season one. Anyone who likes like suburba or like any type of little bit of a crime show with some queer characters, but it's not all based on being queer loves season one because it's really not all based on being queer. It's drama. There's some stuff. Oh God, definitely not. Season two, however, you're like, Oh, now I understand why this guy killed himself or tried to kill himself. Because his life is crazy, and now we're in his head. So, like, that's really that that shark trask difference. Okay, so I didn't come out at the wrong angle after watching. No, it. not at like, all. You got it. So you got it. One hundred percent. I I did have a little bit of an. This is a personal writing issue. You didn't write a lot of extra characters in. I found like characters do come in and come out, but you literally leave me with a man in a bathing suit mm-hmm. for forty minutes. Oh yeah. And is that the plan? Just to yeah. see how creepy out I'm going to get? Yeah, I mean, the thing okay. is, is it, my, my thought was, one, season one has a lot of characters, right? You have a lot Which of sub-characters, all that. But all the characters are branches off of this character. So yes. for everyone to understand where they go in season three, you have to understand 
the mind of this character because he really is the Mephistopheles. He's the controller of all yes. this group, the Lost Tribe. And how uncomfortable is it to have someone sit and be so damn honest and, yes. and just in a raw way? It makes oh, yeah. you uncomfortable. And I wanted people to feel like that because I wanted people to understand what it feels like to be a psychiatrist. You no. were his psychiatrist for four episodes. Like you just were his psychiatrist. So is any of this from your personal experience or is this all just a fantasy land? Yeah. I mean, it's drawn on personal experiences. I mean, I definitely, I, when I was younger, I did dabble in dealing cocaine. I did, like I did, I'm, you know, there were things that, that were out of that. The friend group, uh, definitely. There are a lot of people that are inspired. I, the I thought so itself. much. Um, and you know, the overdose, I definitely had overdoses before. Wow. Um, and I think the struggle with the connection with God has always been something that I've, cause I've always felt this higher connection and I, and Damien obviously feels this higher connection with God. And how does he balance that? And I think those questions, yes, for sure. Okay. You talk about the higher connection with God. In a sense, I hear you going that, but your book is based almost on the same thing. So it sounds like you're just channeling this to something different, a different way of looking at it, or is it very similar? So, first of all, I look at, and, and actually my feature film, which won the New Jersey Film Festival and American Posada, is also connected oh, to here the journey. Go. It's connected to, to God as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you write what you know. And you, write what you're, and, you, and you write what's honest. And what I always found interesting is that I embrace my hypocrisies. I know I'm a sinner, but I know God still loves me. And that's what right. the message of all of these you're films correct. are really at the heart. Okay. I did make a note of lots of smoking. Oh, my God. I haven't seen this much smoking in ages. Isn't it refreshing? It's like the 90s I had no issues with it. I'm like, oh, smoking. Nice. Something (laughs) different. I don't have to look at this guy's crotch anymore. I can watch him smoke. Okay. I'll focus on the smoke rigs. And none Uh, of those actors smoke in real life. Oh, no? uh, No. No. Oh, my God. So that was, you know. and, And, of course, it's not real cigarettes. We actually came up with our own brand of uh, fake tobacco and fake marijuana because we had to use it for so much for months. Uh, and, you know, and it, and it smelled like an Italian kitchen almost. Oh, that's okay. And, you know, so like in every single scene, it just smells like a pizza factory as you're just, you know, filming. So Perfect. that was kind of fun. I can handle that. You do make a reference from Nancy Botwin from Weeds. Maybe laugh so hard because that's such a specific reference to your film and to the mm-hmm. show that tied in perfectly. So I guess I'm going to have to ask, are you a huge Weeds fan? Huge Weeds fan. And actually, it's my character who says that. It's the character yes. that I play, the one with the wig, the one who has beautiful hair that I do not have. <laughs> so how does it feel to be a director and an actor? Like, do you? I mean, obviously, you know what you want as a writer, but now you're in a scene with people that act for a living. And you're coming on. So how is it to bounce off them? I think I find myself a better director when I'm in that 
that chair as an actor as well. It's because I can identify with what they're going through as well. Uh, one thing that I will say that a lot of the actors who have worked with me have mentioned <laughs> is that, for example, you know, none of these kids were innocent, innocent little children. None of them smoked. Definitely, you know, definitely didn't snort coke. You know, and here they are snorting, you know, creamer and and smoking oregano. And to have their director also, and in in season two, you, there's a scene where I snort coke and I'm coughing yes. at, at the party, and it's because that shit sucks. Excuse my language. Ah. It sucks, you know. But as an actor, it sucks. But when you're like, oh wait, my director's willing to do it because it's about the art and it's about growing. That connection is there. And for something this vulnerable where all of us were playing such, and season three is even crazier, such dark characters, it, uh, I think it connected better. And so it was a lot okay. easier. Also, I found what didn't work. Like sometimes okay. there were lines. We're sitting there and we're doing the scene. And I was like, whoo, guys, who wrote this? This is horrible. Why would the writer and like I would literally joke around like the writer was an idiot. Let me go tell the director we need a rewrite. And I would literally leave for five minutes and come back with the rewrite and everybody go, That's Oh funny. god, thank you. I'm so glad you noticed. I'm like, good. I, I like that you come from a very honest place about your work. I think that's good. Like you're sitting there going, you know what? This ain't working for me. I'm gonna fix this right now. And I think that helps you mentally when you're directing. You're like, no, nope, that scene didn't work. I wrote this. I'm going to fix it right now. Be right back. I like that. Well, I, you're, you're going to love this then. Before anything that anyone's seen, we did an entire three weeks of filming that I just threw away. We filmed the entire oh first two episodes. And of I was this like, season. Of this season. Okay. And I was like, this is crap. What is this? And I threw it all away. We reshot, recast, got rid of people. You know, the original, the guy who played Damien wasn't the original Damien. Like, we reworked. Yeah, I want to back up a bit then. So, in the original, am I still getting the same bathing suit shot for 10 minutes? Yes. Okay. Then good. Uh, you haven't moved. That's why I wanted to know. I do have another quote I want to discuss. One of those movies where straight people tell in love. you got to help me out here a bit more. Get into this. Where did this come from? Uh, you know, it's just like I always felt growing up that all the movies, everything, you know, straight people fall in love. Everything straight people fall in love. And like that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be in love like a straight movie. I okay. wanted that Jane Eyre. You know, I wanted to be Jane Eyre. I wanted that oh, that being swept away. And Damien wanted it too, but he just didn't he realize does. that he's Mr. Darcy. <laughs> like that, That's true. That is very true. So when you put those lines in, do people come and talk to you about them or they just let them go? No, they come in. So I am a horrible director because I am an actor, which means I make my actors do research and oh. I don't let them, I don't let them talk if they don't know what they mean. Perfect example, Twinkie defense. I'm not going to let he, the actor says he's not going to be another one of my, I'm tired of guys with the Twinkie defense. It's at the party. People don't know what that is. A lot of people don't know what that is. But it's actually the defense that was used to free the guys who killed Harvey Milk. He stepped between me and my Twinkie, and that's why I killed him. Not because oh he was gay. It no, was because of the no. Twinkie. Yes, it was the Twinkie. Yeah. That, yeah and that so, makes like, perfect sense to me. There, there's a lot of lines just like that that a lot of these kids had no idea. First of all, none of them had watched Weeds because, like, 
no. <laughs> you know, it was coming out when I was in high school. Like, yes. I'm older than you, so I know what weeds is. Yeah, it's like, no. So, yeah, a lot of them knew exactly what they're talking about because I didn't allow – because when I see it on camera that they didn't know what they were talking about, I would go, cut, are we working today? Or, like, what, what's ah. going on? Like, we need to – do you know what you're saying? It's like Shakespeare. If you don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, you're not going to perform them well. So did you make them watch an episode of Weeds then? Yes, First season. I also made them watch a good season. Yes, I I, they watched the first episode because I felt like it was the most connected to Damien. Because you have the gay kid jumping on the bed, you have Nancy. There's just so much in that first episode of Weeds that connected to the arc of what we did. But I also had them watch the first stage show, a recording on VHS of the first cast doing the movement pieces and everything in the originals play. Um, They also got. An entire zip file of my live journal post from that time period of me writing on live journal. And they got my old MySpace account to like scour through to like see what it was. Yes. So there was a lot of research involved. I like it. So when you hire an actor, I mean, you have the same actors, obviously, for the fourth seasons. I Mm -hmm. understand that. But you've also done a movie. Do you make the actors do the research that you say, hey, if you're getting this part. You got research to do. Yes. So on so my feature film, we shot in five days. That's set in 1950s. So there was a lot of uh, historical research to do. Uh, and then I also have another horror series that I did uh, that was more like American Pie meets scary movie, very raunchy comedy. Um, but that was set in the early thousands. And so they had to do a lot of research too. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no point on coming to the set if you're not willing to actually do the work. Yeah, I want to go back. You hated the Two Towers book? Oh, I hated the Two Towers book. The worst. Which everyone thinks I would love because it's the longest and it has the most description of political involvement. And it, and I love the West Wing, but, like, it just was too much. Like, Aaron Sorkin, like Aaron, Aaron Sorkin loves Two Towers because he loves – I'm just not that long breath, no. Um, and plus, I just I wanted to get to the action of you know Return of the King. Fair enough, I will totally accept that. I don't know. I just I'm shocked. I'm sorry. I have to go. I had to. I'm just a huge Tolkien fan, so I'm like I gotta ask him. Um, messing up the room in episode two. Who does this? Like it was completely trashed. The actor. The actor did it. I thought maybe you that was a part. That was a part of his. Uh, that was a part of his getting into character. I said, listen, we're going to film this scene where your character has destroyed your room. Go destroy your room and tell me why you destroyed it that way. And he connected to that. And so that's why he's living in his space and it feels so real. Fair enough. Now, you have a cut scene with a house location that I don't think it's a house from season one. Where is the house? You do cut scene with a house. Uh, cut you know shot of outside. Where is this? I wrote. You do go outside of the stage, sound stage at one point. Oh, oh, you're talking probably about where they're at the party, and it's all yes, it looks so yes. great. Same house, same place. I built it in my backyard. It's a set. Oh, okay. See, you keep sneaking these things in that I can't. Actually, every out every every scene in this in in season two is filmed at my house or at a theater. 
Nothing. Yeah, I could tell it was a theater. Do you want to give the theater yeah. some promotion? Oh yeah, they're they're in Stockton, Stockton uh, Civic Light Theater, a great little uh, community theater. If you're looking to explore acting and, and grow, and you're in California, that's a great place to go. I did make a note of the drinking party on a soundstage. I want to know, did you have fun blocking this? I loved it, and it wasn't on a soundstage. That was all outside in my backyard. I built it. Really? Yeah. I did not know. So you're good at hiding something. And, and all filmed at night. Yeah, Actually, I know. you're going to love this. Every single one of my films was filmed in my backyard. Really? All 29 of them. You have 20. I keep forgetting how many films you have. Okay. How is shooting in your backyard and making it different all the time? I mean, that's a lot of work for you. Yeah, but I get to control it. You can't control it, yes. And I don't have to pay the rental fee. And I don't have someone telling me, you can't shoot at 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, guess what? I want to shoot at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, so yeah. Okay. Do you have neighbors, by the way? Yeah. Do they enjoy you shooting at 4 a.m.? So I don't live in that house anymore. We sold that house. Um, I live in, I live in Nevada now. Um, but yeah, they, they loved it. We used to do full grown musicals in my backyard and the neighbors. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's impressive. Okay. Where do your relationship questions come from? I mean, obviously personal experience, I will give you some of it, but you ask a lot of questions about relationships. You make people question themselves constantly throughout this. Uh, well, I've been married for 15 years and together with my husband for 16. Uh, but I think – so my love relationships questions always come from the ideology of youth and never feeling like I was loved enough. And I think that comes from being a queer human being and having to hide yourself so much during high school and never yes, really getting absolutely. that cutesy little you know high school love. You know, I never had that. So there's a lot of questions there. But my – primary ideology is I question relationships with everything. So like yeah. people, like your friendships, like how, how, you know, is your friendship honest? What does someone want to gain from you? And I think that Damien does that so much in, in the, the play and in, in the movie and in the film that it does make people question what really is someone's true, honest position. Because Damien, I like in season one. There's this, uh, the game, and I think you mentioned it, the truth or dare game with the dice. We did discuss it. We did discuss yeah, it, and that's that is very much Damien questioning everything about relationships. And those questions come from being hurt and backstabbed when you're young. You know, I mean, I started professionally when I was really young. By the time I was 21, I had I owned my own fully running theatrical production company, you know, doing five, six shows a year, which is unbelievable for a 21 year old. And, you know, you meet people who want to take advantage of you as because you're young and naive. And so that leads you to then want to ask questions. And I think I can see that. I get that. At 21, if you're people obviously are trying to take advantage because you're naive. I get that. I mean, you are 21. Let's be honest. We all are. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and Damien is 21. He's 21 right. and teaching at a college and directing a play. Like, so it's you, know, you. It's pretty it's, much yeah. you now. I'm starting yeah. to get this. 
Okay, I wrote the world I found in season one, uh, season two is very small. I would like to have a bigger expanded world, but I understand why you couldn't give that to me. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Um, You're going to love season three. Season three is huge. I'm looking forward to it. Lighting. How did you learn about lighting then if you've never directed before? So, I mean, you've done stage plays. I get that, but they're very lit differently. Stage and, and film are lit completely differently. Yes, and I learned that as I was going. Uh, but Craig and I – and Craig hadn't ever lit anything. Craig, my DP, he – we lit it together. And I literally just sat there. I looked in the camera. I played with every single light. We bounced things off. I tried to use mu- as much natural light as possible because I wanted that indie grid fill. I wanted that like early 2000s, 90s indie fill. So I didn't want to over light. But uh, the biggest way I learned how to light was by making a shit ton of mistakes. Fair enough. Um, I do want to know what the barf was made of. Uh, I made it in my kitchen. It was uh, yellow food coloring and oatmeal. Okay. Um, and uh, cream of wheat. Okay, that works perfectly. Okay, guys, we're running out of time as always because we always have a good time. And you need three new questions, so I did think of three new questions. Because it's Thanksgiving, I want to know your favorite food to eat at Thanksgiving. Favorite food to eat at Thanksgiving is stuffing. Number two, your favorite Thanksgiving film, if there ever is a good Thanksgiving film. There's only one I can think of. Yeah, I Thanksgiving film. I mean, Home Alone. I would not, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> number three, how many more books do you have in your future? You've written one. You've written 29 movies. I, I wrote one novel. Another book is being released on December 14th called Pagan Scary Stories. Perfect. Uh, 13, 13 scary stories that were based on film ideas that I had, short film ideas. So I wrote them into little novellas. Um, I have another book coming out in January that is kind of like a Dan Brown-esque book. Uh but it's a teenage book where a guy named Peter Jerome is rescued by his extremely intelligent godchildren and nieces and nephews. And they find Joan's cross that saves the world uh, from Joan and uh, Joan of Arc. And it's based in France. And then I have uh, another one in the Bible series coming out for Easter season that will talk about Passover and the Jewish connection and, and Jesus being a Jew. Other than going to YouTube and watching Last Gasp, where was you also like people to go? Uh, YouTube, Last Gasp. Uh, you could also watch my other three films on there. I have a podcast on Spotify called Pagan Scary Stories, uh, where some of the stories from this are actually on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, R. Jerome P. is my handle everywhere across the board. And actually, my website is rjeromep.com. Thank you for your time, as always, and have a great day. Thank you for listening. Please check out our YouTube channel, and you can also support the show by going to PayPal. Thank you.